Hello, hi, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Sensational. Today we're going to be discussing how to embrace neurodiversity in home life. Whether you're looking for advice on mealtimes, that militant school run, or how to deal with tricky family gatherings, this podcast has got you covered. I'm delighted to be joined by Tracy Bowyer, Parent Services Coordinator from the ADHD Foundation. So thanks for joining us today, Tracy. Let's start off the podcast with a question I think us parents could all do with knowing the answer to. Is there a way to get mealtimes to run like magic? Uh, well, I don't think there's any real perfect solution to, to mealtime running like magic, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and I think it's, it very much depends on what suits you as a family. But the first thing that we need to do, and certainly for me, you know, I've got two neurodivergent young people at home, uh, actually three, but one undiagnosed. And um, But yeah, so I think for me, I think it's about not worrying about the expectations of others. I think there's a lot of pressure sometimes for you to have this perfect family life and all sit together and have this perfect family meal. And I think what we've got to do is think about what's going to work for you as a family. And that's certainly something that I've had to reevaluate over the years with my ND family. So, um, I mean, certainly using myself as an example, I have to prepare different meals. I have to think about where everyone's going to be sitting. Not everyone wants to be in the same room because of sensory sensitivities. So I think for me, certainly, what our family meal times can look like are very different to what I suppose typical we expect from typical family meals. And I think it's about accepting that and acknowledging that and being okay with that really. It doesn't mean that my meal times don't run well, they just look different. And I think that's what we need to keep hold of as families. So if you're, you know, you're trying to get everyone together at the table um, and if that's causing overwhelm, and if it's causing anxiety and triggering meltdowns or refusals to eat, then maybe it's time to sort of rethink how you're going to approach those meal times. You know, if if you want to be sitting together as a family, is this just something that has to be done every single night? Or actually, can that just be something that we practice maybe once a week or uh, and or on special occasions, really? So for us as a family, I try and have one meal a week where we're we're kind of practicing those those sit down meals and everyone's prepared everyone it's been planned into the schedule and we all know what to expect we all know what the meals are uh, and that means then when there are special occasions we can build that in as well i think that works really well but some other ideas i think just generally no matter whether it's sitting down together as a family whether it's in different rooms at different times different meals i think what we need to think about is you know having some chill time before a meal do our young people um when is it that we're expecting them to sit down is it after school when they've experienced lots of overwhelm throughout the day is it after shopping at asda when they've maybe experienced some overwhelm or been to family members or some other sort of activity when is it we're asking them to sit down do we need to build in some chill time so that they can sort of come down from whatever else it is that maybe is already sort of um you know overstimulated them also yeah. think about movement breaks i think sometimes we don't think about movement breaks i have lots of parents say to me you know johnny wants to go on the trampoline and there was all hell broke loose because i said no dinner first and then you can go on the trampoline uh, and i just say well you know maybe if you think about our young people do they need a movement break to be able to sit and attend to that meal? Do they yeah. need the the movement break, you know, to help calm them? So, you know, flip that. Five minutes on the trampoline 
and then dinner thinking about things like that as well yeah I guess um, there's quite a lot of trial and error with it really absolutely and I think as well it's a, it's about you know maybe having some fidgets for those young people that need to move all the time mm. you know on the table just some discreet ones or small fidgets that are not going to interfere with meal times and um, making meal times fun as well you know um play games i spy we play a lot at, at the family table um just kind of so that it's not it's not as demanding it's it can be it can Definitely. be fun yeah yeah i think i've got i've got a little boy and sometimes my biggest struggle with him is I, it's like I almost have to distract him to eat because if I if I put the pressure on him, he just won't like cooperate absolutely. at all. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So you mentioned there um, briefly about meltdowns and refusals. What advice or strategies could you suggest for handling a crisis like a breakdown or, out, or outburst, especially at home? I think the key to to those. Um, overwhelming experiences for our young people is really what we need to do is be identifying what the trigger is in the first instance we don't really want our young people getting to that point so mm. if we can maybe try and unpick it obviously sometimes no matter what we do all our goodwill in the world it's going to happen but i think it, yeah. if we can have the stance where let's try and unpick what is triggering what is causing our young person to become overwhelmed you know often our young people have accumulated stresses over the day and there's been triggers over the day and actually if we put those stress some strategies in over the day as they were starting to escalate up that stress response curve then maybe we would have been able to bring them down and prevent that overwhelm you know mm -hmm. um, it even things around is our routine is our structure predictable for our young people thinking about you know think about in in the mornings you know if they get up in the morning if they've got sensory sensitivity to smells they can smell burnt toast is that something that's already sort of triggering them so just kind of trying to unpick that a little bit for our young people obviously no matter what we are going to experience those moments where no matter what we've tried to do, try to identify, they are going to reach that moment. If your young person gets to that point, then mm. the, the time to put strategies in, it's gone. You've missed the moment, you know, <laughs> and it's very much going to be about what is what is going to help calm your young person, what is going to help them to recover. Is there some time to themselves in the room? Some young people might want a, a sort of deep hug, a deep pressure hug. And what is going to work for your young person really? But for me, it's not so much about that overwhelm and meltdown or shutdown or refusal. It's about dealing with all those things beforehand, trying to identify what are those potential triggers or if we see them starting to escalate and um, what can we do in the first instance so it might be that we start to see them becoming dysregulated and we send them for that movement break they go for that walk they go on their trampoline they go and ha have five minutes quiet time and then come back to the meal but i think if we try and plow through maybe having a meal or plow through whatever activity it is we want them to have then we're just going to overwhelm them even further and we're definitely going to have that meltdown or refusal yeah definitely and um, this next question is one we've had a lot of parents and carers asking from some of our live webinars in what way can we support and create a happy well-balanced home while living in a neurodivergent household where there's a conflict of interest in everyone's needs oh it comes up time time again and mm. again <laughs> you know do we wish there was an easy solution to all of these things i think what we need to do is um practice managing emotions 
practice encouraging healthy confrontation you know it's healthy to have disagreements it's healthy to have conflict it's how we manage it that is often unhealthy so i think if we can pr practice that healthy confront confrontations and, and that problem problem solving focus on solutions as much as we can and not necessarily the problem we tend to think sort of looking at whatever the behavior has been or whatever the argument's been about rather than saying okay how can we resolve this what is the solution what is causing the conflict how can we manage it and um, exploring alternatives as a family really and individually so you know for, it might be that you have to sit with so if you you've got a young person and their their siblings you might have to sit with them individually initially it might be too overwhelming to get them all around the table and do that um but you know just trying to and trying to separate as well the feeling from the behaviors we're talking to them about it's okay to feel overwhelmed it's okay to feel frustrated it's okay to feel angry but actually what may not be okay is how they've responded, what behavior, you know, um, how they've reacted with each other. So talking about that with each other and talking about different emotions, you know, continually every opportunity. So it might be if you're watching a TV program, talk about how a conflict was managed there as well. Model yourself how you've dealt with conflict and um, how you've negotiated and how you've used your problem solving um, skills can be really helpful. And making sure as well that in your home that any house rules are clearly defined. Maybe you've got them up there on the fridge so you can always, you know, visually there for them. Making sure that your expectations and any consequences are clear as well. But also, you know, if we are setting consequences, making sure that we follow through with those consequences and the realistic consequences as well, something that we're going to be able to stick to. Um, and I think as well, humour. Humour often diffuses situations as well. So if we can try and build in humour. But definitely for me, I think it's about practising managing emotions, practising that healthy uh, sort of conflict resolution and problem solving. Um, as much as possible. Yeah, perfect. And so we've spoken a little bit about maintaining a happy home. Now let's move on to how to handle outings. So as a parent, I know that sometimes it's the actual getting everyone together and getting out the house that is the real struggle. So uh, from your experience, what are the best ways to prepare and to tackle some of the emotional and physical obstacles that come with leaving the house? I think as a parent, it's got to and speaking you know first-hand experience for me if it's all about the planning and preparation it's got to be about yeah. you know it's got to be for me that the school run for example is yeah. military precision it took years to get it to the point it is it's not something that <laughs> came naturally i'm not gonna lie um yeah. but you know planning and preparation i think as well so it depends what's happening so if you're going somewhere new for example that in itself can cause some anxieties. So certainly again, for me with my family, if we're going somewhere new, I will prepare them by, we'll look online at photographs, we'll see if there's any virtual tours, you know, the Google um, maps thing. Maps, all yeah. yeah, all that mm -hmm. type of thing. Just letting them know what they can expect if it's a new environment as well, who's going to be there, who's going, um, how are we going to be getting there? What are the travel arrangements, the times? Um, just thinking about uh, sort of making anything that is potentially new and um, then sort of 
not knowing what to expect and making sure that it's as predictable as possible for them. And I find that that then reduces anxieties and reduces those sort of uh, likelihood of those big emotional responses. Yeah. Also, I think about um, preparing in terms of what will help them with the with the travel as well so we'll we'll all prepare our own little bag so i call it our we got our toolkit ready so for example in my daughter's toolkit you know she'll have her snacks her favorite snacks because i'm always thinking what if there's if there's not any no shops she yeah needs, no shops yeah she's got a very limited diet you know i'm sure a lot of our families is familiar with that so yeah. you know plenty of snacks and um, also using drinks and snacks as a calming strategy so chewy and crunchy snacks can be calming and regulating for our young people so making sure i've got lots of those and um, drinks with sports bottle caps the smaller the hole the better think about with a baby sucking a bottle or a dummy so if they've got a drink you know just again before we leave but also for, for during the journey, especially if it's going to be a long journey. And then other things that would be in our toolkit would be things like uh, fidgets, weighted lap pads, um, headphones for or ear defences. My daughter has ear defences, but she also has headphones so she can listen to her music. But it may well be podcasts or audiobooks or just generally read to the book. We have pens and colouring books. And for my older son, we can always get a pad out and be playing hangman or something, you know, those types of things. Just sort of thinking about what is going to make that as easy as possible. But it's definitely about planning. Um, I think it's about having that schedule so they know what to expect, when to expect it, what time mm -hmm. you're going to leave the house. I think if we're prepared, um, then we're calmer as well yeah. there's nothing worse than us becoming dysregulators and then that impacts on our on our young people yeah. if we're rushing and stressed our young people are going to be picking up on that and definitely so take a breath try and be prepared if you're going somewhere as well if you can phone up ahead of time to avoid queues and that type of thing um, but it's all about the planning and preparation Definitely. I think we've all been there. <laughs> know how, how how hard it is sometimes, like leaving the house and forgetting that one thing that you know is going to calm them down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my little girl, she's literally just started a new school and the school run, which has been, you know, finely tuned for a long time, has just become disruptive because I, I wasn't um, familiar really with the route it was, um, oh, really? you know, and then I kind of prepared myself a little bit by doing the route in advance and then when I come to it there was roadworks on the route I've oh, gone to and so sometimes with all the best will in the world you know yeah we can you prepare can't. as much as we can so I would say if you're going somewhere you know even if you can sort of seamlessly get them in the car or to the bus stop or to yeah. the train have that toolkit with you whether yeah. that be snacks and things because yeah, that definitely. can be the godsend yeah, absolutely. And do you have any activities or suggestions on how to tackle rainy days, rainy weekends, where everyone's stuck at home and getting a little bit on top of each other? Yeah, and I suppose it depends on the age of your young person, really. So I've got um, a very big age gap between my two young people. So <laughs> my daughter's only 12 coming to 13, and then I've got a 30-year-old adult autistic, oh someone with a disability. So wow. trying to... Um, come up with ideas that both can sometimes be a bit difficult it's getting easier yeah. now my, my daughter's getting older but depending on the age of your young person I'm a big fan of 
um, doing things so things like um go noodle videos or youtube exercise videos we like that types of things my little girl yeah. loves dancing so we'll have uh-huh. dance offs as well or you know a lot of the games as well if you've got an older my son's more into his game consoles and things i always mm. try and find games that we can are interactive so that we can play them together as a family rather than him kind of isolating himself and doing his own thing for you younger young people you've got the likes of play-doh i think mm. No matter what, how old you are, Lego is always a, a good option. So we'll um, save bigger projects to do together as well. You know, the way you get the sort of big box sets. Yeah. So we'll we'll save those types of things. So we'll tend to get them at birthdays and Christmas because they're quite expensive. And we'll save yeah. them for those rainy type weekends, really. So yeah, we've got something to do. Yeah. But or even things like, you know, painting or baking, Playing cards is a big thing in our family. You know, we like to play cards, uh, crafts and colouring. But um, Simon Says is a really good one and it works. It's really good for developing attention skills as well, those types of things. And then practical things. So because we all eat different things and everyone, um, you know, has got their own sort of sensory sensitivity things, we tend to do things around your menu planning and meal ideas and we get your recipe books out and talk about maybe introducing new things that week that you could try go if you do your shopping online do your shopping online from from that as well um, and just a good old movie day with a duvet as well i think you can't, you can't beat that, that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely um so our next question is from time to time our household might experience a disruption to what is considered a normal routine yeah especially for special occasions like birthdays. As we know, routine is key for keeping a happy, balanced home. Could you provide some ways to help neurodivergent children, whether it be ways to help them manage social activities that they might not quite feel comfortable participating in? Yeah, so I think um, when we're thinking about any sort of special occasions or social occasions anyway, they can be stressful for everyone, can't be, you know, not and more so our RND young people. So... I think when we are again it's just about that preparation if we're if there's an expectation that um you know we're going to be seeing people that we don't usually see there's going to be lots of people gathering together Um, and i think the general thought is oh this is going to be fun it's going to be exciting and it may well be for most people but certainly i know for my young people that is not their idea of fun, you know, having to see long lost aunties and uncles. So I do think it's definitely about that preparation again. I think it's about talking about what the occasion is, talking about the different scenarios that may well happen as well and how they may well be able to manage them. Um, Actually, my eldest daughter who's not diagnosed, um, but I do suspect very much that she is autistic. Um, She got married a couple of years ago and she was very anxious about the fact that people were going to want to give her a hug and a kiss. Mm. Um, And she really struggles with with those, those, um, any sort of type of um, hugging, kissing, greeting. So she was like, can't we just fist bump? You know, just thinking about um, and speaking to the people, if possible, who are going to be there, letting them know what your young person's boundaries are as well. You know, it shouldn't just be about our young people and the expectation on them. Other 
family members and friends should also know what we should all have boundaries we've all we all know what yeah. we're comfortable with and what we're not and it's letting our young people know that it's okay to let people know that they've got those yeah. boundaries so certainly talking about that um but maybe practice it rehearse it do a little bit of role play as well if they're not really sure just prepare and practice as much as possible, I would say. Um, also thinking about the logistics, you know, so my young people would know, want to know what time they're going to be arriving, what time will we be leaving as well, you know, who's going to be there, what is the expectation, if any of them, is they, are they going to have to do anything or be, you know, active in, in any way, any specific roles? Is it going to be at your home or someone else's home or in another venue completely? If so, can they have those photographs in advance and um, maybe that virtual tour as well? Um, yeah. Just thinking all, all, all that practical stuff, really. But I do think um, it's very much about letting our young people sort of be comfortable with letting people know what their boundaries are yeah it's funny when you were saying that then it, it brought back a memory from when I was younger and I hated when you were brought, almost took into a situation and, and made to hug people that you didn't really know it, you know it's but you sort of don't look at it parents probably might not look at it like that but from the, the child's perspective it's quite an overwhelming yeah. thing yeah and I think nowadays we're very you know whether our young people are neurodivergent or not we're very keen to promote safety amongst our children and young people anyway generally um and yeah. then and then we do expect it's kind of them to hug someone they haven't don't know very well and and i think but i do think we're moving on we are saying it's okay for people to say what their boundaries are in general now um, and i think it's very important for our young people more so who are maybe going to have be more uncomfortable or have those sensory sensitivities or you know um, really struggle with unfamiliar people and I think as well it's even as well if we you know if you are going somewhere so maybe you're going somewhere that evening trying to as well just think about what can you keep the same for your young people as well so how much of the routine can you keep as as much as possible so it might be that your young person has a set bedtime you know can you be back for that bedtime for example or um just trying to keep to as much of the schedule as you can and again thinking back to what we were speaking about earlier about foods as well you know what are, what are they going to be expected to eat are they going to be who are they going to be expected to sit with is it one big table is it smaller tables is there a quiet place for them to be able to retreat to mm -hmm. knowing all these things in advance can sometimes just reduce those anxieties for our young people whether it be a bedroom in someone else's house or where and can, as soon as we get there can we show them where that is can we show them that it's okay for them to retreat there and have some quiet time and come back when they're ready and um but yeah talking about it planning for it preparing for it practice it as much as we can and remember your toolkit as well remember those fidgets remember those ear defenses or headphones and those weighted blankets or hoodies or electronic devices all those things that can um make think those situations more uh, comfortable for our young people yeah perfect and next question is we hear a lot about after school breakdowns due to exhaustion from children who have masked all day at school 
as we know, home is where we feel most comfortable to be ourselves. But as a parent, knowing this doesn't make the breakdowns any easier to manage. Do you have any advice for parents who are struggling with after-school breakdowns? Yeah, I think um, really common that Coke bottle analogy, isn't it, really? Um, Lots Mm. of families talk to me about their young person sort of having um, big emotional sort of meltdowns after school or, or even shutting down and want to isolate themselves. So I would say, you know, when they first get home from school, from school reduce any demands, you know, quite often mm-hmm. where we are, you know, asking them how the day was, what did you have for lunch, and maybe save those conversations for later. Uh, certainly when I pick my little girl up, I'm gauging, right, what type of what type of school <laughs> have we got today? Travel, yeah. Um, so, and sometimes I'm just like, right, I'm saying nothing for an hour. So it's the music on in the car, let her chill, yeah. let her go to her room, chill out. And then when she's ready, then I can have those conversations. Um, so yeah. giving them some recovery time. And um, if possible as well. So I worked with a little girl once who we spoke to school and we built some jobs, heavy jobs in for, to, at the end of the school day for her to just help regulate her. So she mm-hmm. just quite literally would help give all the book bags out. She carried the heavy box with the book in and then she would give all all the book bags out to all the other students because when mum was getting it at the school gate literally the meltdown was happening and mum couldn't even get her home so and then mum would be at the school gate she'd have a weighted backpack on to for the walk home a chewy snack and a sports bottle drink and mum was not sort of ask any questions no demands whatsoever and that was enough to get her home and then she would mm-hmm. give us some recovery time activities that she found calm. And so just trying to reduce those demands, some maybe some tools from your toolkit that we've talked about on and off throughout the session. Um, and also maybe speaking to school about some strategies that might be in field to be put in place to just support them to regulate before they leave to go home can be helpful. Yeah, perfect. And let's end our podcast with one thing uh, for parents to try at home this weekend to benefit the whole family. Oh, one thing. I think we've talked about that much. It would be really hard to um, sort of identify one thing. I think really what I would suggest is, and this is for me, I think emotional regulation is is the key to everything, really. I think if we can mm-hmm. maybe, if we're our young people are becoming overwhelmed frequently, I would say maybe sort of be a bit of a detective, try and unpick that a little bit, I think. Try and Mm. identify if there's any um, triggers that are accumulating over the day that maybe I'll be contributing to that. And if so, is there anything that we can put in place? So as they start to escalate, we can bring them down to try and prevent that overwhelm. And then from that, I would say, you know, if you want to work on managing conflict, you want to work on meal times or going out or those family occasions then once you've managed to support that emotional regulation then you can start working on those other things try not to overwhelm we try and do everything as parents and carers we try and do everything we try and fix everything you know because we want but i think if we can get the emotional regulation right if we can get our young people so that they've got those strategies to support them to prevent them becoming overwhelmed then we can work on everything else. We can pick and pick one thing. Don't do everything. And more yeah. importantly, take a breath and look after yourself. I think that's key as well. So yeah. some self-care is important. Definitely. I think that's a bit of advice that all those mums could do with taking on, to be honest. 
So thank you. That brings us to the end of our podcast today, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining us for another brilliant episode. If you've listened to this podcast and you're looking for more advice and support, please head to our website, witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash resources to browse through all of the videos, articles and podcasts that we have on offer. So thanks again for joining us and bye for now.